0: Be who you are, dream what you really want to do, then do it. Be, dream, do, living by design. The radio show is focused on people sharing their stories of how they were able to understand what they were really passionate about, had the courage to dream big, and then did it. Now, join the conversation. Good morning,
1: listeners, and welcome back to our weekly radio show where we talk to successful people who love what they do. It's all about being your authentic self. And today we have the highly esteemed and good friend Jane Creswell, um as our guest today. So we're really, really excited about uh, having her. Hi uh, there. Uh, uh, nice to have you, Jane. So uh, a little bit about B Dream Do. It's uh, B is knowing about what's most important to you, your values, your passions, and uh, what gets you up in the morning. Uh, dream is all about having the courage to live what you uh, live what you uh, really care about, and to do what you love, and to love what you do. And of course, uh, doing is just making it happen. So Jane, uh, really thrilled to have you here. Where are you calling in from?
2: Thank you. It's nice to be here. I'm calling in here uh, from West Lafayette, Indiana, home of Purdue University.
1: Uh, How exciting. And do you know where I'm calling in from, Jane? Yeah,
2: Yeah, somewhere that's (laughs) cold.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so my son and I are here at uh, the Kirkwood Ski Resort. Uh, just outside of South Lake Tahoe, and um, mm-hmm. so we're going to do some skiing a little bit later today. So, mm-hmm. Jane, uh, you're a master certified coach. Uh, you uh, worked at IBM, and I'm just really interested in hearing your story about the days when you were working at IBM and how you got into coaching. Could you share that with us, please?
2: Mm-hmm. I'd be happy to it it actually doesn't start out as a very uh something that you would think is a success story. <laughs> um, so, my early days at IBM, my first job right out of college was as a programmer for the space shuttle in uh, Clear Lake City, Texas just south of Houston. And um within the first, I don't know, couple months of working there, um, we discovered that I actually wasn't a very good programmer. I mean, my first appraisal was horrible. And uh, my <laughs> boss said, you know, you cost us more to fix what you break than you would to just sit in your office and do nothing or something like that, you know. So it was a, it was uh, not looking like it was going to be very much of a success story. Um, but right. fortunate, <laughs> fortunately, um uh my boss said, you know, sit in your office and do nothing until we figure out what to do with you. And I knew enough about myself at the time to say, you know, I'll just die if I have to, you know, uh, be by myself all day long and, and not be a part of a team. And so I asked if I could be a part of a team and um, and that I was allowed to do that. I just wasn't allowed to touch any code. And i um, <laughs> <laughs> I know, I'm serious. So, so I was ch- just desperately trying to figure out how to keep my job. I was quite yeah. certain I was going to be fired. And, um, and I actually started coaching, um, my team leader and the other people on my team. Although I would say at that time I didn't know the word coaching. I didn't know what it was. I just was kind of naturally doing it. Um, right without any training, so i wasn 't very good at it, you know then, but I was better at it than writing code so um so I just started having conversations with the people on my team and and they started um, becoming more productive, we were way behind schedule, we got back on schedule, we were over budget, we got back on budget and and so um I did this with a couple of teams before it was figured out that um, I actually was really great at leading teams and, and in particular helping teams turn around that had not been performing very well. And so that set well, the stage.
1: Yeah, that, that's really interesting. Would you mind if we go back just a little bit? I'm, I'm curious, sure, about why did you start out as a programmer?
2: <laughs> that's a good question um, because when people meet me and they um, you know, kind of experience my personality a little bit. They just go, "I just don't see you as a software engineer. You are very different uh, <laughs> from any, any programmer that I've ever met." You know, kind of thing. Right. Um, I, you know, I had um, a, a pretty high aptitude in uh, mathematics and science, and um, and uh, and so I, I thought it was fun to write code. I just didn't. I what actually happened in college was that I knew how to please professors, um, and okay. I would I would get the assignments, and I would you know um, often if I was confused about a, a programming assignment, you know, I'd talk to the professor, I'd, I'd learn what it was okay. that they wanted, and I learned how to deliver what they wanted. But I wasn't in love with programming, um, and, okay. and and that, that, that idea was foreign to me, you know, that you should be yeah, in love with your yeah. job. Um, yeah. So I was just after an, an income. I, I grew up in a family that didn't have a whole lot. We um, actually bought food with food stamps when I was in high school. And so right. I, I just wanted a, a good paying job. IBM sound, seemed to be a great solution to that. And I, and I knew I wanted to work in a large organization because I was fascinated right. with how people work um, so um, so yeah it was so, kind of a, a, a bit of a misfit at first
1: yeah so I mean you know your story I'm sure resonates with a lot of uh, people that are listening to us right now uh, with the idea that you know we go to school and you know we we test out with an aptitude with something that leads us in a certain direction and there's something that you said there that what you really got good at was delivering what the professors wanted and uh, the yeah. notion of being in love with the job was something that really was kind of foreign to you. So uh, you, you had this good, at, at this good aptitude for science, and you could do code, uh, but um, I think the exchange and the interaction you had with the professor is something you liked. Uh, but then when you had to sit by yourself and then just start crunching code – that's where things started to fall apart did i did i get
2: that right exactly exactly i i I, and i'm you know i'm not i'm not an off the chart extrovert but i'm also not off the chart introvert either and so i i really need a balance between uh having time by myself and having time with uh with to work with others so that was a discovery process so, Jane, you had this – you were at a
1: crossroads where your boss came and said that this just isn't working, um, and you, you said that you were, you were able to start working with teams or – and just help, help us the, understand a little better about how you were able to make that transition from programmer to, you know, to – I mean, you're a master coach. I mean, that's the highest level that you can get with the International Coach Federation. And, wow. uh, you know, it, it's just an amazing journey, but, uh, you know, what's pivotal here is how you were able to make this transition from this being a programmer who was failing, right? As, mm-hmm. you, as I understand <laughs> you say, a failing I programmer. Was. And, mm-hmm. and now, and then you got to move into an area where you were really able to shine. So help us better understand how that
2: happened. Well, you know, it was a it, it was quite a long path. Um, there were uh, uh, probably ten or 12, ten or twelve years uh, in the meantime. Yeah. Uh, so after we figured out that I was good at leading teams, um, I yeah. was uh, I actually transferred from uh, from Houston to Raleigh, North Carolina, where there was a large um, IBM plant uh, with about fifteen thousand employees, and um, and the topic there was not the space shuttle. Uh, we were developing. Uh, hardware and software for telecommunications, um, which was fascinating right. to me, and um, and so I just I became a team leader and a manager, middle manager, of uh, a lot of very interesting telecommunications um, software projects. And uh, all the while, I would say I was honing my skills as a coach. Okay. Um, I I discovered early on, I mean, you know, because I knew that I wasn't a good programmer if i was going to be leading programmers i would actually have to depend on their expertise Mm -hmm. and their knowledge because i didn't have it um that is a huge um uh it gave me a a, an advantage point as a coach um, because a a great coach should not be you know consulting or telling the answers or you know diagnosing and prescribing um a great coach you know, assumes the person that they're coaching is really knowledgeable uh, uh, on their topic and tries to draw out their best self um, and to get right. them to, to uh, you know, live their best life. And so I, right. had, I was pretty well practiced at that uh, while I was a team lead and a manager and a senior manager at IBM. I okay. really kind of honed that before right. I ever knew about the profession of coaching. Um, yeah. So then... Um,
1: so, go ahead.
2: Well, I was going to say, I, I, then when I of... was introduced to coaching, yeah. you know, it, it seemed like a natural fit.
1: Okay. So, um, it's interesting. A couple of the key things that I wanted to jump on here is how you said that not knowing um, all the technical things was actually an advantage to you. Yeah, and and which is interesting because so many times people just say, well, I don't know enough about this, that or the other to go do something and here. You're saying not knowing actually was an enabler for you.
2: Well, it was because that is a a key part of being a great coach. Um, okay. And so uh, it's something that gets in the way actually for a lot of coaches uh-huh. is that they They were you know excellent at whatever they did before they were a coach and then they it's a it's a hard habit to break for some people is to not do problem solving and you know giving a a ton of advice um, to their clients I didn't have that habit to break because I didn't start out that way Um, I I knew I wasn't a good programmer (laughs) so uh, I had practiced for years. being in the position of uh, helping others figure out what they were good at so that they could Mm thrive, And then I learned kind of a secret of management. And that was, um, you know, I can't do it all myself anyway. So the better I am at getting my employees to do Mm -hmm. their best, um, the more I'll succeed. And so that was my management style for all those years
1: well truly that was uh that was a breakthrough insight for you um that yeah, a very very powerful what support did you have from i b m to make this transition
2: um, <laughs> um there's kind of a two sided answer there um mm-hmm. so Um, I got to a certain point in my career where I I did know what coaching was, and I had started down the path to become trained as a coach, and I thought, you know, I'm a better coach than I am a boss. I should do Mm -hmm. this at IBM. And Mm -hmm. my immediate boss um, initially – She'd never heard of coaching inside an organization so she wasn't real open to it at first but eventually she said okay let's try this thing and so she became very supportive of me and she gave me six months to prove that coaching um, might work at IBM Um, and and you know that doesn't sound like a whole lot of support but it was a tremendous amount of support for someone to step out on a limb and Take a risk on something that neither one of us knew if it would actually work. Um, and, uh, there were others in IBM, um, who weren't as supportive because I was doing a job that didn't exist, actually. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. we were, we were doing a, an experiment, uh, for six months before we actually got the new job description of coach created. And, uh, so there was some rocky times in there where people thought that, you know, I should be fired because I was doing a job that didn't exist. Um, so, right. I, you know, it went all the way from a, a great amount of support from my immediate boss once she was on board to, you know, people trying to fire me for doing a job that didn't exist. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes that would happen all in the same day. Um, right. So for about six months, it was a rocky road. We didn't know what the answer was going to be.
1: What were what were the uh, elements uh, that you used to prove to your boss that it was something that was worthwhile?
2: Well, um, initially, um, I, you know, I just looked at how much money we were spending on uh, training and development in our division. Mm-hmm. Uh, my boss was the general mm-hmm. manager of the division, and and I took uh, one year's worth of data. For how much money we were spending on training and development, and I thought mm-hmm. you know if if we could um, uh, get a better return on that amount of money that we were spending, that would be huge uh, for our mm-hmm. organization what What had actually been happening is that we were spending money on training not not feeling like we were getting much back in return mm-hmm. for that expenditure. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, if I could take just part, just a small portion of our training and development uh, money and, and turn a profit from that investment uh, and, and use that for the coaching initiative, that we'd be better off um, than we were with uh, uh, the way that we were spending that money before. And that was enough to allow the six-month experiment um, and and so hands down, you know, we all thought everybody you know, my boss who's the general manager and the whole executive team right. we all knew we all knew how much, much you know, huge expense training and development was and if there was something sure. that could be done that would be better, you know, we were all for it. And my proposal was that coaching was that thing that would be better. That it would be right. um more customized learning experience. For the people in our organization, and um, but again, I didn't I didn't know it was a theory, um, and so uh, fortunately, I was given six months to, tr- to test out that theory, and it worked, um, and so uh, became wildly so it was successful. And then, so it was
1: successful. Yeah, it was. It
2: successful. was. It was. Oh, it was. I was given six months to make it work or not and and was actually told you know if it's if this doesn't work in six months you don't have a job and so there's nothing like that for a motivator (laughs) and um and so I had to make it work you know or I'd be looking for another job but by that time uh you know I just I was so in love with coaching and and feeling like I was really contributing to people's lives uh, helping them thrive and was helping me thrive um, uh, that I just I knew if it didn't work at IBM I was going to go out on my own and, and coach people anyway so it's just a matter of whether I'm staying here and still doing it at IBM or or leaving to do it in my own private practice um, because I knew coaching was going to be it
1: Jane how inspirational your story is um, you know the going from a failing uh, employee realizing that you didn't like code, uh, realizing what parts of the job you did like that had to do with working with people, further honing that into the coaching area, and then being so convinced uh, yourself, personally, so confident that you knew that this is what you love to do, that you put it all out there, uh, and you were able to put together a a plan that said, hey, six months, and if it doesn't work, I'm out uh, kind of a thing. And, boy, that takes a lot of gumption. So... That really is mm-hmm. uh, really is inspirational. Even if it hadn't worked out, it was it's inspirational. But it did, and so it did work out. Yeah. And so after working out, what did you do with that, Jane? How did IBM respond?
2: Well, um, so um, there were multiple different responses. Um, one response that happened really quickly was that other people inside of IBM who Knew a little bit about coaching, thought they might be good at it, couldn't quite figure out how to apply their coaching skills to their own job, started calling me. And could you help me? Could you help me figure out how to be a coach in my part of IBM like you are now a coach in your part of IBM? And I thought, you know, it's such a huge company. And, And just because I figured it out for one division, maybe it will work for everybody, but maybe it won't. And so mm-hmm. I thought, but, you know, instead of becoming a consultant and telling people what to do, I decided to stay in the role of coach. And so I created something called IBM Coaches Network, and I invited any of those people who called me to be a part of that network, and, and what I promised them was that I would mentor coach them on a monthly call. And so if they wanted to show up to this monthly call, I would mentor coach the group, however many people showed up. Now, mind you, I thought there might be, you know, at most five or ten people who showed up.
1: Right. I didn't know
2: lots of people would show up. In fact, um, within a year, IBM Coaches Network grew to 40 people. Um, And it continued to grow, and now it's still in existence. And I haven't been at IBM in years, um, but it's still in existence. And there are over 500 members of that organization, um, of the uh, Coaches Network, in more than 20 countries. And they still do a a once-a-month mentor coaching call, and and they rotate who is the mentor coach. Um, And now and then they invite me back. Um, to do that, which is a really fun story. So I think the reason why it lasted, all the, I started it in 1999. I started IBM Coaches Network in 1999. So here we are 19 years later, um, and it's still in existence and still going strong. And the leader of IBM Coaches Network emailed me last week and said, I can't wait to set up a time to update you and tell you all the really cool things that are happening um, recently, in the world of coaching at IBM, so um, so that's really fun. But I think the reason why it lasted was because I resisted being in the role of of uh, being an advisor and telling people what to do. I I stayed in the role of coach, which is what I know I can do, um, and I just coached the coaches. Um,
1: so, uh, Jane. I'm just thinking back, had you taken a different approach about this failing just mm-hmm. said I got to work harder and do better and beat yourself up and make yourself at least sure. kind of get by, uh, that mm-hmm. could have been a path. I know that's a path that a lot of us take. I know at certain times in my past, I felt like, well, I just got to try harder kind of a thing, but you were able to realize mm-hmm. what really, really got you excited and now i mean you must be thrilled uh to have this living legacy that you can sit back and look at that and say wow um mm-hmm. the work that you did is still alive you started a fire that's that's still burning at uh, at IBM and, and coaching and the lives that you've touched uh through that work that you did before and the work that continues uh, at IBM, so that that's just really amazing.
2: Well, you know, it well, is kind see. of fun to yeah, do that. Ahead. But but the, but the thing is, what's what's even cooler about it is okay. that uh, while I while I can say, yeah, I I did, you know, start all of those things. What made it really last and and uh, and thrive? was the efforts of each individual person that was a part of it and that makes it even more mm-hmm. fun because then mm-hmm. it then it's not connected to any one human being and and that's a big theme of my life that you know one of these days mm-hmm. and I hope it's not anytime soon but one of these days I'm not going to be here anymore and um mm-hmm. so the biggest motivator for me is that um is knowing that something will last beyond you know me being alive on this earth um that's the cool thing
1: jane thank you for that insight what do you say we take a break we'll be right back in a in a few seconds all right thank you
0: we'll be right back with be dream do living by design right after this do you know that 85 percent of people hate their jobs yep that's right That's what last year's Gallup poll said after surveying millions of employees in 200 countries. Only 15% of those surveyed were truly passionate about the work they did. If you're one of the 85% who don't like their work, we invite you to join us in the Be Dream Do Adventure in Pine, Arizona. It's happening on April 14th and 15th. In the adventure, you will explore what is really most important to you, who you are and what you want to be known for, how to dream big, and what actions you need to take. For more information, please call 1-866-875-3899 or follow us on Facebook and on Star Worldwide Networks every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Arizona time. Now, back to Be, Dream, Do, Living by Design with your host, David.
1: Well, Jane, certainly have enjoyed uh, 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 the the story that you shared here, and I know you're not with IBM today. So could you share with us how that happened and when you made the decision to leave IBM?
2: Okay. Um, So I – right after IBM, I I ended my time at IBM uh, the last of 1999 – I started as a vice president of a spin-off of IBM in, 19, in 2000. I stayed there for about a year. Um, wasn't a really good fit, and I really wanted to be a coach on my own. And so in 2001, mm-hmm. I became an independent uh, coach and um, started um, – there were several articles that were written about the work that I had done at IBM, and people from other companies contacted me. Um, to say, mm-hmm. you know, would you be willing to help us out uh, in our company? And, and while I was still at IBM, I had to say no. You know, I no, I've got a full-time job. I can't really do that. But I kept their phone numbers and email addresses and that kind of thing. So when I was not, uh, when I was out on my own, um, then I called them back and said, well, if you're still okay. interested, I'm available and I can help you. And that's how I started my own business. Um, and, but it was after I had left. Um, the spinoff company and so um, what was fun was I didn't know if if the things that we were doing at IBM would actually work anywhere else but IBM Mm -hmm. Um, now I did find Mm -hmm. out that it would work in other divisions of IBM so that was I I guess enough to make me confident that it would probably work in other companies as well Um, but it but that too was an experiment and I just kept my same um, stance and that was you know I'm not going to tell you what to do but I will um, coach you Um, and then Mm -hmm. um, as a part of that I got into uh, training coaches who are internal to organizations and found that I really loved that and so um, that became a part of what we did as well um, was to train other coaches Uh, for some most of them internal coaches in other companies right Um, some of them some of them not but mostly internal coaches
1: right 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 Uh, Jane uh, you talked about how you when you first started coaching uh, you didn't know much uh, about what coaching was Um, I think you said you couldn't spell coaching (laughs) and (laughs) and and, and then (laughs) and over over the years you got better at it so uh, what uh, what training did you go through to you know, to hone your skills
2: well i 'm a lifelong learner kind of person, so I went through a lot mm-hmm. of training. Um, so I mm-hmm. started out at Coach U, um, which was mm-hmm. an online um, coach training um, experience and then uh, about a year into that, I also started Corporate Coach You which was a sister company at the time, and now it's all a part of one thing. But, um, uh, and so I was actually doing two coach training programs at the same time. Uh, mm-hmm, the first mm-hmm. one, Coach U, was more like life coaching, and I had to do a lot of translating from, okay, well, if that's what you do in life coaching, then what does it look like inside a corporation? So then when Corporate Coach you came around, I thought, oh, I won't have to do any translating, I'll just take that class. And right, uh, right, right. so that that's how I ended up taking two coach training programs all at the same time. But I've, I've taken, you know, I've gotten certified in several other things, instruments, um, legacy leadership, um, conversational intelligence. Um, mm-hmm. I love brain science. So I, mm-hmm. you know, even though I had that one, you know, couple of um, uh, intensive coach training at the beginning, I've been involved in a lot of coach training over the Mm -hmm. years um and the more i the more training i take the you know every bit of it helps um hone my skills Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: and what did you have to go through in order to become a master certified coach
2: well um there's a you know there's a certain amount of training hours that you have to have um the 2500 experience hours that you have to have, well, that actually wasn't very hard for me to get being an internal coach um, right. because uh, coaching was my my full-time job, you know, and there's, you know, we used to use, at IBM, we used to use, uh, just for math purposes, uh, 2,000 hours was how much time someone would spend at work. Well, 2,500 right. is not a whole lot more than that, you know, so... Um, I had gotten the 2,500 hours um, by 2002, um, mm-hmm, and um, mm-hmm. and then and then there was a, a an oral exam that you would take, um, and right. you would coach the assessors. This was back in two, you know, back in the day. <laughs> they don't do it this way right, anymore, right.
0: but back in, right. back
2: in the day, you you coached your assessor with another assessor listening in, and then they evaluated your competency to you know see if it was at the master certified level um so that was Mm -hmm, what mm -hmm. i went through actually i was ready to apply for the master certified coach level um in 2002 but um but internal coaching wasn't actually acknowledged as a valid way of coaching in 2002 so um so i had to you know work with the committee chairs and, and people on the ITF board to talk to them about how, you know, valid internal coaching was at that time. And so then mm-hmm. they changed the mm-hmm. rules for 2003 and then I was able to apply at that point. And so by that time, you know, Malcolm Gladwell says anything that you do for 10,000 hours, you right. can, ma- you know, that is mastery. I, I was, you know, because ITF wouldn't count uh, my, uh, internal coaching hours there for a while I I probably I don't know that I was at 10,000 hours but I was probably pretty close to it Um, right and and by the time I actually applied Um, and and you know just anything that you do for 10,000 hours or even half of that 5,000 hours right um, you're gonna get better at it hopefully yeah
1: You really were a trailblazer, Jane, when you put things in perspective, not only with the internal coaching that you did at IBM, but how you worked with the International Coach Federation, which is the benchmark organization for coaches around the world, um, to help them actually become comfortable. And now they accept internal coaching, uh, you know, very readily as part of the the whole process. And you were out there in front of of all of this. Um, Truly, truly amazing. I – would like to know what what recommendations would you have for our listeners who are out there in jobs, maybe programming or or doing something else that just doesn't seem to be a fit, and this notion of coaching seems to be appealing to them what What recommendations would you have for them?
2: Well, I think the first step that that you uh have highlighted here is that um you know you, you have to get good at at noticing what comes naturally to you that you're really mm-hmm. good at it that you don't you don't have to really you know work too hard at um mm-hmm. but when but when you do work at it, you get better um mm-hmm. that is hard for people i uh, i've coached you know tons of people over the years, and when I say you know why don't you go with what you 're a natural at what you're really good at they go well, that seems like cheating or you know that that seems like you know you know no that's not that's not what we're taught we're taught work should be hard or you know even you know burden rates is how you talk about you know how much how much people resources you're going to have to put on something or labor you know all of those words right. sound really hard and bad and and so we become uh-huh. accustomed to to that work should be a struggle and so it's hard to actually to get people to go no Look at what comes naturally and easily to you—that you just love doing it. You can't mm-hmm. believe somebody would pay you to do it. That's work. Right. So my f- first piece of advice would be, um, you, you have to get really good at at noticing um, those things that you're a natural at, and then try to hone your skills around that. Um, you know, we just just had the Academy Award, um, you know, show the other night, and. And um, yeah. a lot of those people who are walking away with Oscars, um, you know, if you listen to their acceptance speeches, they'll talk about how they, they can't even believe they're getting paid to do that. And, and uh, mm-hmm. I heard, um, I, I can't remember who it was years ago, say that in an Oscar acceptance speech. And I went, you know, so why is that reserved for actors? Why are actors mm-hmm. the only ones that get to do what they love and that they can't believe they're getting paid to do it. That should be true for everyone, but especially for coaches. Because, um, and I'm really biased on this, um, but uh, (laughs) coaches um, should uh, be the beneficiaries of coaching. If no one Mm -hmm. else on the planet was, coaches need to be. um, And this is a phrase I actually learned from you, David. They should drink their own champagne. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <I'm> not, so <laughs> I don't know if you remember that. I used to say I eat my own dog yes, food, and, yeah, and, and you tell yeah. me, oh, Jane, that sounds disgusting. You, you should say yeah. drink your own champagne, and from that day forward, yeah. that's the way I say it, um, but, you know, a coach who is not, you know, working on themselves and figuring out what comes naturally to me, um, you know, where is it that I, I, I struggle with my work, I should Diminish the struggle and increase the things that come naturally to me. If a coach wow. is not doing that, you know, uh, clients are certainly not going to, they're, they're not going to be able to, you know, escort their clients to that same level of awareness if they're not doing it mm-hmm. in their own life. So they should be the model and example of that. That would be another piece of advice. Drink mm-hmm. your own champagne, for mm-hmm. goodness sakes, get a coach. You know, do more work on yourself than you would ever expect your clients to do mm-hmm. uh, on themselves.
1: So get really get get uh, get uh, closer to what you're really good at, uh, what comes naturally yep. to you, and drink your own champagne. Um, play with it. Yeah. Uh, um, actually, actually use what you are planning to use with others is kind of what i'm hearing you say try it out what else what else what other advice do you have
2: well i I think it always helps to um be a lifelong learner you know so keep Mm -hmm. you know those things that do come naturally to you that you're just fascinated by how can you you know learn more and hone your skills um someone Mm -hmm. asked me just recently uh uh the same question what would uh, advice would i give to new coaches and the And the uh, answer that I gave there was um, make mistakes often. Um, Make them early and often. Um, Because what I noticed, not just coaches, but lots of people, you know, we're so paranoid Mm -hmm. about being perfect or getting it exactly right, right, or, you know, I'm not going to really step out there and do it until I've gotten it perfect. And particularly, in the field of coaching, and I think this is true in a lot of other fields as well. You don't get good at it until you practice. And so, mm-hmm. you know, be be ready to make mistakes. Um, expect right. it. Uh, celebrate yeah. it. Learn from them. You know, but um, you know, just jump right in and uh, and and expect to make mistakes often. It's probably um, well. <laughs> I uh, I I was humbled uh my first um job at IBM being told I was a horrible programmer but I am so grateful for that humbling experience because um I've never yes. forgotten it and it's made uh-huh. me go you know what I I I am thriving now because I made I made big mistakes then and yeah. so um, for my future thriving, for the benefit of my future thriving, I need to be making some right. mistakes today. And
1: very, very I, I, interesting. I
2: just think it's made, uh, yeah, I think yeah. it's made me uh, fearless um, yeah. in some some respects because I go, it's just a mistake. I, I've recovered from so many poor business decisions <laughs> right poor choices and how i spend my time and and who i partner with or you know I just i've every mistake mm-hmm. you can think of i have made um but i mm-hmm. make it mm-hmm. i learn from it and I'm, and we move on
1: what a what a spirit that you have uh, to embrace uh setbacks it's not that you just look <laughs> at it you 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 embrace it and how you retire thank god they told me i wasn't a good programmer and um, <laughs> you know, so I mean, it's 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 it's, it's such an el- an enabler, it really is.
2: Uh, yeah, yeah. Really, and I'm yeah. grateful that taught me such a huge life lesson. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I wouldn't have asked for that. <laughs> you know, I thought I, you know, of I was course. a great student in college. So I was just mortified to be told that I there was something I couldn't do well. But at this point, I'm just so grateful that that life lesson happened early on.
1: So, you know, the lot of, a lot of listeners that are out there and, and they're at different stages at work, and there's a financial side to moving from one, you know, one job to another. Um, mm. What words of advice do you have around people being able to make that transition while still being able to meet their financial requirements or financial needs Let's put food on the table well
2: yeah I yeah I get it uh, you know um, well you know I so I told you my background growing up um, mm-hmm. I, we didn't have much so I learned how to right. survive on a, a little um, and and, mm-hmm. and it probably also shaped me to help me know you know even through the toughest of times uh, I could mm-hmm. uh, I had resources maybe not monetary resources, but I had other resources, my, my cleverness, my, you know, ability to learn quickly, my, you know, lots of other things that became resources to wow. help me. Um, but uh, on the back to the financial decisions around uh, changing careers or going into coaching or all that kind of stuff, right. I, 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 in a word, uh, this, I learned this as a brand new coach and it, and it's reserves. It was a foreign concept to me to have reserves of anything. Um, I I learned that I should have financial reserves so that I could take financial risk and uh, Mm -hmm. the the, the reserves would be there, um, you know, to to support me um, while I was making a transition to a new job or or, um, a Mm -hmm. a new career, Um, but not just money, uh, reserves in terms of energy, Um, uh, Mm -hmm. Reserves of, um, you know, how uh, time, how I spend my time and not to schedule every single waking Mm -hmm. moment so that I couldn't be generous with my time with other people. Um, You know, so this this idea of reserves um, helped me tremendously to say, you know, what kind Mm -hmm. of reserve will I need to have in Mm -hmm. place
0: before Mm
2: -hmm. I can make a, a decision to to uh, leave IBM or to start my own coaching business or, you know, take the next step. And I, I've made mistakes in that regard. I, wanna, I don't want to say that I knew exactly yeah. how much I needed in the reserve and all that kind of stuff, but just the concept of having reserves has um, actually proven to be um, w- what allowed me to, to, to do those kinds of things. And, you know, it's interesting when you work on, I'm saving up right now, I'm saving up six months salary um, mm-hmm. to, you know that, so that when I go out on my own and I'm doing this thing that I'm not sure if it's going to be successful or not, but I can do it with mm-hmm. a certain amount of confidence because I have those results, that actually gives so much hope and fuel to mm-hmm. what your future endeavor is going to be, even while you're still in the same job that you don't like.
1: Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. you've got a
2: plan. You know, you, you know you're working toward yeah. it.
1: And I got to think that with that plan in place that that actually helps your attitude in whatever job you're doing.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, you know, uh, but, but it does require discipline, you know, it, and yeah, discipline yeah. was not, not something I had a tremendous amount of <laughs> as, a young, right, right. as a younger person. So, um, you know, I had, to, I had to, you know, uh, figure out what do I want more? Do I want mm-hmm, you know this mm-hmm. new car or this bigger house mm-hmm. or this you know whatever, mm-hmm. or do I want uh, the peace of mind that comes with uh, doing what I was created to do? Uh, and so, and, you,
1: yeah. So I mean, so you had this you had this dream of becoming a coach. You knew that you had to put some reserves, so you had a plan in place, and that was your roadmap to make it happen.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And, and then when it happened when I have seen new coaches not do that and they're right. so paranoid around where their next client dollar is going to come from that right. they might accept a client. That's actually not a good fit for them just for the money. Well, that is mm-hmm. the most horrible thing that you can do because you're not going to be good at coaching someone if you're doing it just right. for the money. So they're not going to give you a referral right. um, because you, you weren't very good at it. Um, and and just, it just snowballs in a negative direction. Um, you know, so what you want to do is, is head all that heading in the positive direction. I have enough reserves. Uh-huh. I don't have to accept right. any, you know, every single person that might come my way to be a client. Right. And so when you choose well, then you do your best work as a coach and right. um, then then they will rave about you, and their friends right. will come, and you know all of that. So you know this. It can either go, you know, in a spiral negative or in a spiral positive. It's your choice. Right.
1: So what you're saying is you have to learn um, how to say no.
2: You do, and learn that um, that in in saying no, I, I I'm such a glass is almost full person. I can't hardly even say no. <laughs> what I what I'd rather say is I had to learn to only say yes to uh-huh. the situations that were the best fit. Um, okay. And then when it's when it's the best fit, then everybody's going to win my checkbooks going to win, right. I'm going to win my clients going to win. You know, everybody's going to win if I'm real careful about who I say yes to.
1: Fascinating. Simply fascinating, Jane. Let's take another break.
2: Okay.
0: We'll be right back with Be, Dream, Do. Living by design right after this. Do you know that 85% of people hate their jobs? Yep, that's right. That's what last year's Gallup poll said after surveying millions of employees in 200 countries. Only 15% of those surveyed were truly passionate about the work they did. If you're one of the 85% who don't like their work, we invite you to join us in the Be, Dream, Do adventure in Pine, Arizona. It's happening April 14th and 15th. In the adventure, you will explore what is really most important to you, who you are and what you want to be known for, how to dream big, and what actions you need to take. For more information, please call one 875 3899 or follow us on Facebook and on Star Worldwide Networks every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Arizona time. Now, back to Be, Dream, Do, Living by Design with your host, David
1: Jane, I want to thank you for the
0: information you
1: shared uh, with us today uh, about they're not happy uh, doing what they're doing right now. And not only for coaching, uh, but really for, I think, anything. Uh, this applies really to any action that people want to take. Uh, being really comfortable with, with who they are, really what they can do that comes to them naturally, I think, is what you said, uh, walk the talk. Drink their own champagne. Uh, live the kind of life that that you're you know that you're advocating. Be a lifelong learner. Um, put yourself out there. Mm. Fearless. Uh, you know, uh, embrace the bad news. Embrace adversity, uh, even though it's difficult at the time. Um, realize that you're getting messages and. and and embrace it, and then see what where you can go from there um and uh be okay with with failure uh but that fail fast and pick up the pieces and and then move forward learn to uh, to plan to be disciplined, so this is not just you know um some physical about you put a plan together so that you have the reserves in place. And not only the financial reserves, but the confidence um, that you're looking for to have enough time, to have enough energy, um, to have the focus to be able to move yourself forward. Accept those opportunities where you simply do your best. With that, everybody wins. It's not so much about saying no, as you clarified, it's really about saying great opportunities. And maybe if if you're not accepting certain opportunities, maybe it's about maybe matching people, other people that you might know in your network to help meet that, uh, meet that uh, challenge that someone else might be having. Did I get that right?
2: Yeah. Wow. We covered a lot of territory in this hour.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, very very helpful. I'm really grateful uh, for the insights there, Jane. What uh, what are you doing today?
2: Oh, I have some new adventures today. Um, so I've I've kind of um, I'm I probably only want to work this level of intensity for maybe ten more years, something like that. And um, and so I'm right. looking back over my career and saying, you know, what what is it that I Really uh, want to make sure i I have the opportunity to do in this next ten or fifteen maybe years and um, mm-hmm. and it is actually teaching people how to um, create a culture inside their organizations that helps people thrive um, and so i 've been um, uh, working on uh, training programs to to train coaches to do that, and also um, Introducing the idea to uh, organizational leaders, um, you know, the impact, the influence that they can have on uh, creating a culture inside of corporations where everyone is um, uh, afforded the opportunity to thrive and be their best. Um, And so, um, so we have developed um, video products and and all kinds of media opportunities uh, to to help facilitate that. That's what I'm doing. Well,
1: that. it, that's great Jane and I know you you're you're just outstanding at what you do and just for the benefit of the listeners out there um I, uh, my experience with you when we were setting up an internal coaching program at uh, the company where I was working before Schneider Electric um you brought in you and you and your you brought in your team and you trained us over a period of 6 months uh, it was a virtual team uh, with uh hr business partners from around the world and you just did an outstanding job so i know the the kind of work that you do and and then most recently uh when you gave you came out and you gave a presentation to uh, our coaches here at our retreat here in, in Arizona, uh, you were extremely well received. So I know mm-hmm. you you do great work. If someone out there would want to get in touch with you, Jane, how would they how would they get in touch with you?
2: Um, thank you, David. That was those are very kind words. I really appreciate that. It means a lot to me. Um, my email address is jane at get positive. All one word. getpositive.today. Today. Um, I love my email address, by the way. It sounds just like me. Jane <laughs> at getpositive.today. Today.
1: <laughs> that's wonderful. So, just for the listeners, I'm going to repeat that. Jane at getpositive. Today. Uh, that that's that's just wonderful. And in the final uh, minute that we have here, uh, I'd like just a general observation. You know, this radio show was about be, dream, do. How does that be, dream, do resonate with you with the story that you've just shared?
2: You know, um, I I don't think I would have thought of those words um, prior mm-hmm. to you know hearing that from you, but I think I think it's a great description um, because mm-hmm. it's uh, you know my thing. You know, what I've already shared was. You know, it starts with you and, and getting really clear about who you are and what you're created right. to be, and then, um, and then make it bigger. Uh, we didn't talk about that a whole right. lot, but I am one that does that. You know, I, I can dream big with the best of them, you know, and, uh, and it's fun. Um, but then actually putting things into place uh, to do it. Um, I would say I'm an incremental doer. And so, you know, the mm-hmm. big dreams don't happen all at once, um, but they happen from mm-hmm. all of the baby steps that you take. Um, and so I mm-hmm. think it's a great mm-hmm. way to, to just, now that I'm looking back at it, um, mm-hmm. I, I, I think that that's a great way to describe, you know, my career up to this point. Um, and, uh, and boy, did I wish I, I had known that in, in the, my younger days, um, it might have been even. I might have been able to um, do even more. Who knows?
1: Well, Jane, uh, your thoughts here and your insights that you've shared uh, with me and our listeners today have, have just been uh, very, very powerful, very inspirational. And you know, you said you didn't talk much about uh, dreaming. I'm, I'm going to take exception to that. Your whole <laughs> conversation was about living your dream, and you mm-hmm. are. Drinking your own champagne, and with that, I want to thank you. And I look, Jane. Thank you so much.
2: Oh, you're very, very welcome, David. I I look forward to hearing other your other guests.
1: You thank you so much. You take care, Jane. Okay. Bye
2: bye.
0: Thank you for joining David and his guest. Make sure to catch Be, Dream, Do, Living by Design every week right here on StarWorldWideNetworks.com.